0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God loves you deeply. He might totally disapprove of what you're doing.
1: He still loves you. So let's not confuse his love with his approval. God loves us so much that he will not allow us to remain in our sinful, harmful, painful, destructive ways
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11, in a message titled, Those Who Won't Inherit the Kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: You know, I, I've often heard this argument like, How come all the educated people in the world, you know, how can they all understand that, you know, these things are good and right and so forth. And it's just the uneducated people that don't get it. Well, the answer is simple. The educated people have been brainwashed. They've sat in classrooms under people with these ideas who have impose them on them and they've been intimidated into believing them because after all this phd person says that this is the way it ought to be and if i disagree with that and everybody around me agrees with that i'm gonna look stupid i'm gonna be foolish so i better just get in line so everybody believes the same thing because nobody wants to think for themselves they call themselves free thinkers but the fact of the matter is they're not thinking at all that's what is happening in our culture So, wrongdoing, Paul calls them wrongdoers, or again, the translation, the unrighteous. Doing what is wrong. God's the one who determines what is right and wrong. Now, what does he say? He says that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what does it mean to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, I think it can have two applications And the obvious one is speaking about the kingdom of God in the future, speaking about the fact that after we die, there is a judgment, and that judgment will determine where we spend eternity. Those who live like this will not be with God in his eternal kingdom. That's the obvious. But there's another I think, application as well. Because as we talked about before, the kingdom of God is present now. And the present description of the kingdom of God was given by Paul in Romans, where he said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so think about it. Paul's speaking to people who are believers. They claim to believe in Jesus. But they're living contrary to what God has clearly called them to. And so in the sense of how we just described the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, living like this, they're never going to, they'll never inherit the kingdom. They'll never experience that righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit as long as they're living like that. And, you know, this is the state of some Christians. Some Christians, they, they want the, the righteousness, the, the peace, the joy of the Holy Spirit, but they don't make the connection between their unrighteous living, their wrongdoing, and their lack of righteousness, peace, and joy. Cheryl and I were just talking about this yesterday where some years ago she was reminding me of a situation where she was praying with somebody and she was praying for them to, praying for a group of of women to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and empower them and bless them and fill them. And as she was praying for one person, it was just like there was some block. It was obvious that that something was holding back that blessing of the Spirit. And so she finally said to the person, is is there any sin in your life that that you need to confess? And she said, suddenly she just started kind of like vomiting out all of these things. So the point is, she was there, she wanted the blessing of the kingdom. I want the righteousness, the peace, the joy of the Holy Spirit, but... I don't want to change the way I'm living over here, you know, and it made me think how I think a lot of people think that way today. A lot of people think that, well, I'm just going to go to the church and they'll pray for me and then I'll get the blessing of God, but I don't need to deal with this stuff going on in my life. No, this stuff going on in your life will prevent you from inheriting the kingdom in this sense. Now, the unrighteous, what is he talking about? I mean, as as we look at those lists, especially if you remember back in the list, they're in Galatians. Let me just remind you of that really quickly. So look at the things he lists here. He lists, well, sexual immorality. You know, there's, there's kind of the big ones, the obvious ones. Immorality, debauchery, witchcraft, murder, things like that. We're like, well, you know, God forbid, I never would do any of that stuff. But then there's also impurity in here. And there's hatred and there's discord and there's jealousy and there's fits of rage and selfish ambition and factions and envy. It's like, wow, dang. Listen, we're, we're all in here somewhere. We're all in here somewhere. But, but and, and it's there, remember that, that Paul says that those who live this way, those who live this way will not inherit the kingdom. So, so what does he mean by that? Well, again, it's important to understand he's talking about those who live this way. This is their way of life. Those for whom these behaviors are normal. Those, the New King James Version reads, those who practice such things. The NIV, as we saw, reads, they that live this way. So Paul is talking about lifestyle. He's talking about this is the way people are living. He's talking about those who refuse to turn to Christ and away from sin and evil Also, those who claim to believe in Christ but insist on living contrary to how God has told us to live in his word. So that's what he's describing. The unrighteous. He's not, let me just clarify this. He is not talking about those who struggle and battle against sin and at times fail. That's an experience that all of us have. We struggle with sin. We battle with it. And sometimes sin gets the upper hand on us. But when that happens, we're convicted of sin. We're sorry for our sin. We want to be free from our sin. You see, that's a different person than the one that he's describing here as the unrighteous. Because the unrighteous is the person who basically just says, you know, this is just the way I'm gonna live. And I'm not gonna pay attention to God's rule on this. I don't really care to conform to what God has to say about this. Actually, I don't think God's word really means that. There's a whole bunch of people in the culture today that's basically their position. Well, I don't think the Bible really says that. I think that we've been misinterpreting that, or I think that You know, Paul was a a victim, or the apostles, they were a victim of their own culture and their own time, and they thought things were wrong at that time, that we know today that those things aren't really a problem. And so, praise the Lord. I'm not going to submit to that stuff. That's The praise the Lord is the, I'm okay with God. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about that person. Not, again, those who are struggling, those who are battling, those who those who know that this behavior is wrong and yet they're weak and they succumb to it, many heirs of the kingdom battle with these things. But that's the point. They battle. They struggle. They fight against it. They don't just embrace it and say that, well, this is just who I am. This is the way God made me, so this is how I'm going to live. So... The unrighteous are, you could also define them as the rebellious. The ones who just flat out are in rebellion against what God has said. Now, here's the thing. Paul says to them, after this list, he says, some of you were just like this. Or, such were some of you. Such were some of you. This little word reminds us of this important point. The gospel is for sinners. The gospel is for sinners. All sinners. And we can't forget that. Because again, you look at that list, like I said, it's not thorough, but if you want to take the passages in Galatians, and if you want to take those in Ephesians, and you want to put it all together, and if you want to take Romans chapter 1, for example, and you want to put all of that together, you could say the same thing about every one of those things, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. So we can never forget, the gospel is for sinners There have been times in the church's history where that has been forgotten. Times where the idea was that the church was for good and respectable people. That wasn't all that long ago that those ideas were prevalent. As a matter of fact, in certain places, you could still find that that is, that's kind of the idea in the background. There's, like an unspoken motto over the church, sinners need not apply. How did things ever get to that point? They got to that point through another unrighteous act called self-righteousness. But those are, those are real things. And we cannot forget that the New Testament church, the church as God intends it to be, is a church that is filled with grace. It is a church that's about the good news, the gospel, that Christ came to save sinners. So now, though, in the context of the Corinthians, he's reminding them this is what you were, this is your past. Now, they're behaving much like they were behaving previously. It's almost implied that they had had a season of experiencing being freed from those things, but now they're flirting with them again. Now they're dabbling in them again. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. The goal of the gospel is transformation. God is in the business of changing, not just our destiny, not just our eternal destiny, But God's in the business of changing the way we think and the way we behave. That's what he's doing. And so Paul says to them, you were these things before, but the point is, you're not that anymore. So quit behaving that way. You're not being true to your real identity. So look at what he says, but you were washed You were cleaned from the filth of sin. You know, again, we're living in a time where sin is just so, the air we breathe, it's like the filthiness of it has has even lost its sense of filthiness. Boy, the things that, you know, the things that people say and do and act out today and, and... You know, the truth of the matter is, even though we have become desensitized largely to the filthiness, the filthiness leaves a stain. And people still know it. People still feel filthy when they're in sin. But what the gospel does is it washes that away. It washes that. It takes away the filthiness. It gives you a sense that I'm clean. I'm clean now. So you've been washed. You've been sanctified. Now, sanctified is a word that is describing the process of growing in holiness, or I like to simplify it by saying It is the process of being made into the image of Jesus. So you've been sanctified. Now, sanctified is an ongoing thing. It's not, you will be fully sanctified when you receive your glorified body. That's when sanctification will be completed. We will be fully conformed to the image of God's son then. But now we've been set on a trajectory toward Wholeness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. See, that's what, that's what sanctification is. We've been set on this course toward wholeness, wholeness, health. Not, not physical health, necessarily. Could be physical health because through your sanctification, you're, you're no longer doing the things that were even destroying you physically. But it's wholeness in the sense of wholesomeness. God wants our lives to be wholesome, good, not contaminated, not filth-ridden, but, but clean and wholesome. So we've been set on this trajectory toward wholeness or wholesomeness, holiness and Christlikeness. And I think holiness is largely, for the Christian, it's Christlikeness. It's being more like Jesus. And then thirdly, he says, you've been justified. You've been justified. And here's the one that's really important. They're all important, but this one is important because to be justified means to be declared righteous And to be given a positional righteousness before you attain the practical righteousness. And and this is every Christian. Every Christian is justified. Every Christian is perfect before God. That's justification. But every Christian is also imperfect before one another. So our position is one of perfection. We have been declared righteous now and forever. God sees that. That's how he sees you. That's how he sees me. But when I look at you, when you look at me, we don't see that. What we see is sanctification. We see that we're on this trajectory toward where we're ultimately going to land. But justification is the guarantee that we will get there. That's the beauty. Justification guarantees that we will get there. God declares us righteous now because he knows he's gonna get us to the place in the end. And so that's what he says to them. And he says that they have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. This is just that reminder that these things happen to us as God works in our lives. This is where God is taking us. So for them and for any of us that are in the same situation of stuck in the cycle of wrongdoing, Paul is reminding us that The work of Christ and his spirit is to bring us out of these things. So Paul is reminding them that if they have truly believed, then they must renounce and forsake their wrongdoing and allow God's power to perform his transforming work so that they themselves might live as a new humanity created in Christ. Remember, that's what God is aiming for with the church, that he would be able to put us on display as this is a new humanity. This is the new thing. This is what I am doing that will stretch into eternity so that the world may see and be drawn into the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit presently and be given the guarantee of the full inheritance of the kingdom when Christ returns. So I'm gonna close with this. God loves us, absolutely. But listen, don't think that God's love equals approval. God loves you deeply, he might totally disapprove of what you're doing. He still loves you, but he's told us already what he disapproves of, so let's not confuse his love with his approval. God loves us so much that he will not allow us to remain in our sinful, harmful, painful, destructive ways of living. He loves us too much for that. So he won't allow us to do that. He's come that we may have life and that we may have it to its fullest. Those are the words of Jesus in John 10. I have come to give them life and life more abundantly or life to its fullest. And so living in these unrighteous habits, is far from life to its fullest. And if we just insist on remaining there, then that's an indicator that we, we've never really had that work of the Spirit in our lives because through the work of the Spirit, we've been washed and sanctified and justified. But if we've been washed, sanctified and justified, that being through Christ and the power of the Spirit will move us in the direction of living wholesome lives, living good lives, living the kind of lives that we can get up in the morning and be excited about the day ahead, or we can go to bed at night and not have any regrets because I'm living the way God wants me to live, the way God intended me to live.
0: the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. The world is constantly challenging the rationality of the Christian faith and the validity of the existence of God. As Christians, we're faced not only with skepticism and doubt, but also with genuine inquiry. The book, Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little, provides clear and understandable answers to why the Christian faith is rational and how the existence of God is valid. He also addresses other questions that both Christians and non-Christians alike puzzle over. Questions such as, is Jesus really God? Is the Bible historically reliable? Are miracles really real? If God does exist, then why is there so much suffering and evil in the world? If you want your questions like these answered, or to be able to answer questions of others, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443 that's 1-800-733-6443 our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with god we'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights as we welcome back pastor char broderson as we study together in the book of 1 corinthians Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.
1: Hi, this is Cheryl and...
0: Brian Broderson.
1: And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022, and we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th, and this is gonna be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at... Jerusalem. Or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount, Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. And it is the trip of a lifetime. So we'd love to have you join us. And if you're interested, we're going to have an informational meeting on Sunday, March 20th at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.
0: Or you can find out the details if you go online at
1: israel.ccCM. Yep. We hope you can join us. It's going to be
0: great. It will be.